Hey, it's Miles here. And before the show starts, uh, many of you have been curious about the work that I get to be a part of at, at OnSite. And so I just wanted to give you a glimpse into who we are. OnSite is, is known as a worldwide leader in the personal growth and therapeutic workshop space. We're just fortunate to work with an incredible team that creates life-changing experiences that assist individuals and families and couples into becoming more self-aware, empathetic, compassionate, and, and resilient, and just overall raising our emotional intelligence so that we can become better versions of ourselves and enhance our relationships. So whether you're feeling burnout or life just seems a little out of balance, or whether you're trying to overcome some adverse circumstances that you experienced along the way, we've got some really cool workshops uh, that we offer year round that we'd love for you to learn more about. And we also help stay plugged in and get you resourced for counseling and other great resources in your area as well. If you want to know more about us, check out onsiteworkshops.com or you can find us on our socials at at onsiteworkshops. But find your joy, find your amazement. If if everybody like is starting to look normal, like what you're doing is like you're turning the wine back into water. Um, mm. What if you find your amazement and say, I wonder, and we're usually just a couple questions away because we're constantly resetting the game rules yeah. about how vulnerable we could be or right. how deep this relationship could go. So maybe yeah. talk about, uh, instead of what you want, talk about how you feel. Hey guys, I'm Miles. And I'm Ruthie. And welcome to the Unspoken Podcast, where we believe that saying the unsaid may be the hardest, but one of the most important things we can ever do. Yes. Our authentic self is the best gift that we have to offer this world. But sadly, we live in this culture that tells us that we should hide it. So we would love for you to join us and listen along. And we hope that you might find connection and healing in the courage that no important words go unspoken. Make up fake love, make them all laugh. Come on, someone, take off your mask. It's nice to me. Today on the podcast, we have Bob Goff. Bob is a two-time New York Times bestselling author of both Love Does and Everybody Always. He is the honorary consul to the Republic of Uganda and an attorney who founded Love Does, a nonprofit human rights organization operating in Uganda, India, Nepal, Somalia, and Afghanistan. What he has done with children and women who have been affected by gender-based violence is absolutely unbelievable. He has spoken all over the world, bringing his unique perspective and exciting storytelling to millions per year. Most importantly, he is driven by a desire to help others unlock their potential to love and be loved greater. Most recently, he has been hosting Dream Big Framework Worldwide, an intensive two-day workshop designed to help people from all stages of life make their dreams take flight. Bob is uh, one of my closest friends, so I honestly I couldn't be more excited about this conversation because there's a lot of people that know Bob for his ability to speak and just be an unbelievable storyteller and, and author and philanthropist. But there is a there is a soul behind this man that um, that's what I'm excited for you to learn more about today. Just the heart behind this guy that I know to be Bob. I've traveled the world with him, and it's made my life better because of it. So I'm excited to share this conversation with you guys. All right, here we are. Welcome to the Unspoken Studio, the one and only, the legend, Bob Goff. Yeah. Oh, you guys, I'm so glad to be with you. Just <laughs> oh. looking across at some good friends here. Mm. Oh, 
We're who, so grateful. I've been excited. I knew at some point we were going to get this opportunity. I know we didn't ask you in season one because you were just on the go all the time and doing such amazing stuff. But it this conversation was meant to be and had to happen. But I've been thinking about it for a while because we talk all the time, you and I do. And but it, so it feels in a sense like it's two friends sitting and talking. And then of course Ruthie and I talk almost every day, if not a few times a week. And so the three of us together, it's gonna be a really fun time just to sit and unpack some stuff and talk together. So thank you for being here. Oh yeah. I, I do lots of selfish things, but this is right up at the top. <laughs> <laughs> well, it means so much because you just flew in 10 minutes ago and it's nine isn't, o'clock at night. Isn't and- that great? It's like being in the witness protection program <laughs> and I didn't even do anything wrong. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm just, I would love to talk a little bit. Like, since we've been here, you've already answered the phone twice from just strangers calling you and asking for advice. And you, you said this happens hundreds of times a day. Yeah, over a hundred times a day. And Isn't you, that terrific? I just get I, all these calls, and um, and it's not like I'm looking for new friends. <laughs> no, you have, <laughs> but but the whole idea of just the power of availability, mm. uh, because I would say ninety percent of the people that call are just wondering if it's true. Mm. I think that's what ninety percent of the people that are talking to us on the street and the market and all that they just they've heard lots of things, but they want to know if your life is really true. Yeah. And you can answer the question by saying hello. <laughs> How cool is that? They're like typical call. I say, like, it's Bob here. They'll like be Bob. (laughs) And I'm like, yeah, it's Bob here. They're like, Bob. I'm like, come on. I'm pretty impatient, guys. So I'm like, come on. Like, like, is there something I can do to be helpful? So that's a great primer. And I learned that from a lot of the circle of friends. Like, I think that's how you guys live your life. Like, Mm. is there something I have that could be helpful to you? Yeah. You know, and so sometimes people want to talk about things that actually just think, I just don't, I think I could be helpful in that. Yet there'll be other things that actually can be helpful. Oh, we were in uh, Austin, Texas, and somehow people knew. And I got a phone call from three girls, their car broke down. On the highway. And they called you. I said, how can it be helpful? uh, So we found them and fixed their car. Stop. (laughs) Fortunately, they didn't need a transmission. It was just the uh, battery cables popped off. So we were like, we fixed it. And then I love that. So Mm. living in anticipation now, that's not for everybody. Yeah. Right? You ask sweet Maria Goff, my wife of 32 years, two months and eight days. Like if you ask, <laughs> I'm counting up. I think she's counting down. But but one of the things that uh, that would not be her, that is not sure. her love language because yeah. she's just has uh, different things in yeah. mind, like me, Lindsay, Richard, Adam. Yes. Yeah. Uh, wow. But I think that anticipation for an Enneagram 7 is yeah. like, I oh, wonder who it could be. And I love wow. just answering it in the blind. Wow. Yeah, it's good. Well, it's so precious because what I see in you so fully is you live out of such of a, in a space of abundance. Like you always live, like you know what is for you and you're able to go into the world and be a mirror of that. And you live out of such fullness. One thing that struck me, it was like the first thing God made was time. <laughs> and sometimes mm. it's the last thing that we make. And I thought yeah. you can fix that in just yes. a few minutes. And, yes. um, and it'll keep your feet on the ground too. Uh, this idea of not thinking more highly of That's yourself right. than you ought to. That's just right. answer the phone a lot. Just don't yeah. send anybody for the, whoever's listening. Go for a whole week and don't send anybody to voicemail. Mm. It'll. I don't know if uh, that will change other people's lives. I bet it yeah. will, but I know it'll change yours. Yeah. Um, uh, but if that's not your thing, don't do yeah. it. 
Yeah. Well, it's interesting. I mean, aware that the root of that, I think, is you famously put your number in the back of Love Does, which uh, how many a gazillion copies of your New York Times bestselling book, and literally your cell phone number is in the very back, which is yeah. why all these people will still call you. How many countries is it in now? Seventeen. Seventeen languages. different languages. That's wow. unbelievable. So that book has been a phenomenon, but it highlighted work that you'd been doing for a long time that people didn't even know about. And it was almost like this, these beautiful stories, some of which I've been able to share with you as a friend and going to all these countries with you, they just caught up and could not be told. And the minute mm-hmm. they landed on paper, which I love that you wrote it kind of to your kids, yeah. then boom, it blew up. And how I mean, what is, what's it like to know that your words that were so sacred to your family now are just influencing people all over the world. I'll tell you what feels good about it. It feels like, uh, you know, the whole idea of being conspiring has got a bad rap right now. Conspiring is just like two people breathing together. Mm. That's what a conspiracy, uh, to conspire is to take a breath. Mm. And uh, so it just feels like we're just taking a breath together. And we've been in Mogadishu together, you and I, and we've just conspired together there. We've just been breathing together with the people and thinking, is there a way we can move the needle in somebody's life? Mm -hmm. And sometimes you can move it just by saying hello. Sometimes it's just something is a sincere smile, not a fake one. Um, But the, the power of availability and then shared experiences. And you're not going to have a shared experience sitting in a dark room texting people. That's but right. what you could have a shared experience, like we we just find the time. None of us had time, but what we do, made time. And yeah. there's something beautiful. It's like it's like feels like a a holy act. You mm-hmm. can actually make time. Yeah. Well, watching you do that, and it's funny because it's sometimes the antithesis of what I had the opportunity to lead and teach, which is taking really busy people and teaching them boundaries and not making them as available as they have been because it kind of burns them out. But you have given me a a broader perspective on that Mm -hmm. thought because you took it and kind of flipped it on its head. Yeah. If Jesus didn't have middlemen, I'm not going to. (laughs) 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 And when his his folks tried to self-appoint, say like, you know, let's get all the kids in a row. They said like, actually, that isn't that helpful. (laughs) So that idea of just being like, just excessively available to people Mm now uh, to do it wisely, that is what we want to do. Because I met a lot of smart people and I know fewer wise people Mm -hmm. and I want to be counted among the wise ones. And so you're usually just a quarter of a twist away from getting where you really ought to be. And Mm -hmm. uh, so that's what we constantly want to do. That's how uh, wine uh, connoisseurs, like when they bottle the wine, they put it down, it gets dust on it, and they give it these bottles a quarter of a twist and because the sediment sticks to the glass. So mm. I get it. You're just a yeah. quarter of a twist. Take the things that you need to do in your life and give it a quarter of a twist. I One guy called me, he said, Bob, you've changed my life. I've, I've done a 360 degree change. I'm like, actually, you're right back where you started. <laughs> <laughs> I'd give it a couple twists the other direction. But, yeah. but that idea of like yeah. uh, not being hard on ourselves, Ourselves, mm. uh, as to say, man, I'm just a quarter of a twist away in, in relationships and in perspective mm-hmm. and all that. But that idea of availability, if it resonates with you, it's good to run with it and then and then give it a twist one way or the other uh, just to kind of dial it in. And then this whole idea that we're new creations, that we're constantly changing. Yes. Highest compliment somebody gave me, Bob, you're a moving target. <laughs> I'm like, yes. <laughs> I want to be that guy, like constantly changing. I hope I go home tomorrow, see sweet Marie, and she thinks it's a home invasion. She's going to be like, you've changed. I'm like, yes. 
<laughs> I want to be new Bob. Old oh, so Bob's the, on the bus. The compliment of the moving types following you, your brain works so fast, which is mm-hmm. where Bob and I, he's one of my closest friends in the world, but we're like yin and yang. I mean, he yeah. moves, boom, and I move kind of a little slower. But so uh, I'll probably do this a lot as you're your train of thought I'll probably stop you and say, now, what did you mean by that? But your train of thought on that being a benefit is the change of moving fast. So the idea of moving fast is that you're always open to change. Is that what you were saying? Yeah. Why wow, that was I a just, good compliment? I'm just not satisfied with old Bob. I'm not like hard on myself, but yeah. I'm just living in as much anticipation I have of who might be calling me. I have like that much anticipation for who I might become. Like who's mm. new Bob? Mm. You know, like I, I wanted to be a grandpa since I was in junior high school. <laughs> I hadn't even gone out on a date. And uh, <laughs> why, why? Tell me about it. Why? Say more about that. Why did you want to be a grandpa? Oh, I, because my grandparents were awesome. Mm. They were so fun. The thing about them, get this, they were available. They were always at home. My grandfather <laughs> was a uh, worked on the the uh, docks in San Francisco Bay, the graveyard shift for forty years. He was a fireman. He never put out a fire. <laughs> forty years. I don't even know if he knew how to. What? But what he was great at being is available to me. He was mm. always home. Yeah. And mm. mostly what he did was make uh, pavers. He had a cement mixer. And he had a shovel and some gravel and he'd make these, he had small, medium and large, like little molds to put the cement in there. And he always made paths, but they didn't go anywhere. <laughs> really? <Wow. laughs> like, my life. I come by it honestly. This idea that his availability just spoke just volumes into my mm-hmm. life and my grandmother the same way. So as I'm looking in the uh, middle of February, I'm like one contraction away <laughs> from being a grandpa. And yeah. this has been a life's goal. You know what I want to be? Available. Mm. And so quarter of a twist. Yeah. So I'm just saying changes. no to more things. And uh, because yeah. this idea like that, I want to be known for a bunch of activity. I want to be remembered for being available. So how do you find that balance? So if you're available to everyone, how like that that feels so big and so broad cuz I I under, I'm a 7 also and I want to everyone that enters my presence, I want them to know how special, how valuable that I have time for them and that they matter so much. And then I found myself like you know, when we're in the giving profession, I was just I was doing that so much and I also wasn't I wasn't grounding and finding time for myself. And I was also neglecting some of the closest people in my life. So how do you find that balance of being available to everyone and also still being available to yourself and to the people like closest and most intimate to you? Yeah. You know, like everyone, I'm just still figuring all this stuff out. I've never seen anybody go pro on loving people or (laughs) we're all like amateurs. Can you imagine somebody that like went pro, he's like sponsored by like (laughs) Hallmark and sees candy. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm an amateur at this thing, but I remember a time where I spent all this time trying to find balance in my life. I felt like I tipped over. Mm. (laughs) I just stopped trying to find the balance. What I'm trying to do is there's like a no fly zone over when Sweet Marie and I are having a meal, right? Then I just don't take the calls. Yeah. Uh, but other than that, um, and probably not at two in the morning, I'll like check. Because <laughs> if it's somebody from Lodi, I'm like, dude, you can hold your question. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but if it's somebody that's actually had a difficult time, I, I just want uh, to be a safe spot. Yeah. Wouldn't it be great if people thought of uh, the three of us and just thought we we're like Switzerland? Mm. They're not mad at anybody. Nobody's mad at them. 
Um, so I would just carry the Swiss flag around with me, wear like a poncho and mm. have a bar of milk chocolate in your pocket <laughs> to make people know that when they're talking to you, it's a safe place. Yeah. It's an available place. You'll like call. But again, if that isn't for you, you'll know. That's the beauty yeah. about being around the sun a number of times. You find out what's good and yeah. what doesn't work. And then hopefully you're changing. And so you just say, well, what about that orbit? Yeah. Um, the thing that can happen for people that uh, have a high desire for availability is they can get really shallow with mm -hmm. people, right? Yeah. You know, that saying like a mile wide and inch deep. Now, if it's frozen and you're Scott Hamilton, a mile wide and inch deep is awesome because <laughs> he's an ice skater. But most of us are like high divers. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and a mile wide and inch deep isn't that great actually. And so yeah. figure out what are you, an ice skater or a high diver? And so that's that beautiful thing you guys are so good at is uh, helping people reflect to say, who is it that God uniquely made me to be? Mm -hmm. um, what I found, um, tell me if you think this is true in your life. We're uh, uh, in a building project right now and uh, we're picking marble. And the marble is has these beautiful swirls in it that make these slabs like really unique. But those are actually the weakest points in the slab too. The swirls. Right? The things that make us most unique are also our weakest point. Mm, and so right. you can find that to be true uh, of, you know, whether it's availability, you go like, that is so unique. That would actually perhaps be one of your weakest points. What do you right. guys think about, have you seen that to be true in people's lives? Yeah. I mean, uh, I, well, in a sense, I think our vulnerabilities, we're kind of flipped. We're, we're disrupting what we've always thought about weak points too. And the more you get to know the soft, vulnerable parts you end up being your greatest asset. So you could, in the way that you disrupt the idea of availability versus boundaries, I'm kind of disrupting the idea that vulnerability is actually strength. Oh, interesting. You, you're saying that that isn't a sign of strength. Sometimes our weakest parts are our strongest, I think. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Oh, okay. I yeah. totally agree. I had the longest conversation last night. And I, I first had my eyes open to this by Glennon Doyle, and she talked about how if you go to like um, a rehab facility, or it's usually filled with people that are people that the world would say you're too sensitive. And she was like, "Oh no, you're actually that sensitivity is your greatest strength. You're actually seeing what's happening mm. in the world." And the rest of us are like, "Oh, that's too much. You feel too much." And you're actually feeling so much because you're seeing the broken, painful, hurt places all over the world. And that is, we need your eyes because I can miss it. I, I can live on such a like, this is so amazing. Everything's perfect. Everything's so beautiful. And I could sometimes miss the people that are like really deeply hurting. And so these people that are so tender and sensitive that, you know, I might be like, you're so dramatic or so sensitive. Those, they have um, a fingertip on the heartbeat of what's actually going on. And that is such a strength, it even it comes at a cost to them. And so often when there's not tools of knowing how to handle it, they'll try to medicate with, you know, food or drugs or alcohol or whatever, because it feels so big and so much that it's, it's it feels like too much. And it feels like almost like trauma because there's no, they don't have the tools yet 
to know how to handle it. So that thing that would be considered such a weakness is like the most beautiful strength that the world we need, you know? Well, in a sense, I I was tracking the metaphor too. I, I think we're on the same page, but in a sense, you're saying some of the most beautiful parts uh, can be a little sh- more shallow than we think if that's mm. all we present mm. uh, with. Yeah, because people will, uh, we only have a brief period of time with one another. And I'm like, I pick juries, like yeah. <laughs> lawyers and morticians, like size people up. So <laughs> one of the things that uh, we can do is just be a little bit slower mm-hmm. to size somebody up. To just mm-hmm. say, instead of saying like, this is the a column to put them in, to just say like, hey, I want to get a little bit more information yeah. and figure that out. We want to take a quick break to tell you about Nisolo. This is a brand that we love. Nisolo is a sustainable brand committed to delivering handcrafted, ethically made shoes and accessories designed with comfort and functionality at the core without the traditional retail markup. Nasolo's vision is to push the fashion industry that values exceptional design, the planet, the producer, and the consumer. Nasolo operates their own sustainable factory in Peru. They also produce family-owned factories in Mexico, each of which has signed an ethical code of conduct. A beautiful part of their branding is that producers receive, at a minimum, beyond fair trade wages, health care, financial literacy trainings, and a safe working environment. Ugh, I love them so much. I've worn the solo for at least four, maybe five years. And it's just known anytime anyone comes to visit me, we're gonna take a trip to Nasolo because everyone falls in love with them. And I can't wait to share this brand with my friends. And I can back that story up because I was <laughs> one of those friends. Uh, one of the first times we hung out, you actually took me to Nasolo and introduced me to the brand. And I just, I love the story behind it, but I also love the shoes. And mm-hmm. so I now am a proud owner of Nasolo shoes and, and love them. And actually my dad just recently saw them and, and, he loved him and asked where I got him. And so uh, we got him a pair for Christmas and he didn't even know the story behind the brand. He just loved the shoes. And so that's what I love about them is the design and, and uh, the way they make them are really well done, but also the story behind it is unbelievable. So Nasolo is partnering with us this season to offer unspoken listeners 25% off their first purchase. Go to nasolo.com and enter code unspoken at checkout to get 25% off your order of men's and women's ethically made shoes and accessories. That's N-I-S-O-L-O.com and use code unspoken for 25% off your first purchase. There were two things you said earlier uh, that spoke to me, something I hadn't heard before about the influence that your grandparents had on you. I mean, I knew, I know you've told me, I've seen a picture of your grandparents before and I love the one when they're in the costume. And so I've heard stuff about them, but I didn't know that they had that much of an influence in terms of availability and just, you Mm -hmm. know, kindness. And so that was really nice to hear. And is there, would you say there's a message that you know to be true about you today that you think came from them? Oh yeah. Uh, a living in constant amazement, mm-hmm. not like feigned amazement, but just actually, I would go to uh, Disneyland because I was hooked on it for when I was like the taller than a trout, and uh, <laughs> and I would go get rock candy on Main Street at one of the stores, and I'd bring back a little box of rock candy to my grand 
my, and she would be so amazed. Like, no, those are rocks. I'm like, no, it's candy. <laughs> and she'd put one in her mouth and she'd pretend like she just tips a tooth. She'd be like, oh, my mouth, my mouth. And she's like, oh, it's candy. I'm like, it is, it is, it is. And like that, that, uh, like stirring that up mm-hmm. in that childlike faith. I just, yes. they weren't naive. They were just yeah. wise. Yes. There was something beautiful. And I want to, continue to be amazed not like this false sense of profundity like you know you see a sunset and you're like that's so like dude (laughs) that actually like find better words to describe things but find your joy find your amazement if if everybody like is starting to look normal like what you're doing is like you're turning the wine back into water um, mm. what if you find your amazement and say, I wonder, and we're usually just a couple questions away because we're constantly resetting the game rules yeah. about how vulnerable we could be or right. how deep this relationship could go. So maybe yeah. talk about, uh, instead of what you want, talk about how you feel. So example, don't say, I want a hamburger, say, I feel hungry. And for some people, it's really hard to get to the feelings, mm-hmm. get mood rings, <laughs> Get one for a buck and a half. Literally, just put it on and say, why did it turn green? That would be such a great thing to say. I don't know what green means, but you could say, oh, well, this is what it feels like to be misunderstood. Oh, tell me about that. Like, when did that happen? Yeah. That would be, if you're eight or 108, like that, that'll work to just, if we could have more of those discussions, because then you start seeing them in this different light. You go like, Mm -hmm. wow, you, you feel, have you guys ever been in a room with thousands of people and felt like the only person there? I felt like I feel lonely so many times. Yeah, I could be around yeah. a lot, a yeah. lot, a lot of people. Yeah, yeah. I can yes. be, feel like I'm the only guy. It's there. one of the they, first conversations you and I had. Yeah. In, yeah. On the side of a mountain in Canada. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't yeah. that crazy? That, yeah. And so people would say, well, but you're the balloon guy. Like you're mm. the yippee skippy. Everything's great. Uh, and to say like, no, actually I could... Um, be acquainted with many people, but feel entirely unknown, like, because you just haven't had those conversations with anyone. And so what a good thing to just say, you don't have to have, you know, a hundred of those, but you could have one of those to say, if you could just maybe even start at the third question, don't ask like, what's your name and what do you do? But to just say, if I put a mood ring on you, what color would it turn? Um, And to say, and how come? (laughs) Bob, that's so good. Honestly, that is so beautiful. Like a mood ring. I love that. That's going to be my new question. If you had on a mood ring, what would it say right now? What color would it be? What What do you think that color means? Like that is so precious because it's so hard to drop into feelings. I'm a seven, so I'm a mind. I can talk and process, you know, verbally process everything and not be totally disassociated of how I feel. So and what? So, let me, so what would uh, what's your mood ring saying now? Oh, okay. It would be a swirl of colors, as probably would be true for many people. Um, one of them would be, um, kind of blue and not blue because I'm bummed. Um, but it's been a really busy run. Mm -hmm. There's been hundreds of cities, uh, in 2018 in 10 countries. And so blue would be, it just, uh, time to land the plane, take a couple weeks, um, just hang, just sit on the back porch. Uh, one thing that, um, 
uh, really gives me, there would be like a, a lightning bolt kind of through there because I'm among friends. Uh, mm. And uh, we've logged like lots of lots time of together. Time. And yep. so yeah. that doesn't happen very often. I'm usually among um, acquaintances, which is, that's terrific in its own way too. But to have a place like kind of a landing place that mm. really will center you. So it'd be a little bit of that. Um, I, I love I love the idea that we kind of unconsciously um, give the world what it is we need. Uh, and I, I was hearing a beautiful example of, both of you and how you've pivoted from um, putting a lot of uh, value or worth in your professional identity. You still love it, but mm-hmm. there, you see the humanness in people and sometimes, and you, fi- you shifted in a way that you're offering that to people. And I always think the world puts a big mirror on us and whatever it is that feels on our minds that we're offering. And I think in your case, what you were saying is you're really wanting to get people to know people at a deeper level and not be fully perceived as always the balloon guy, even though that's a beautiful gift too. And I think in a sense, what you put out, you might, you might, you unconsciously need. Yeah. You kind of, uh, at some point when you were speaking, Ruthie, I was thinking about if you kind of take away what you're known for, Mm -hmm. that's who you are. (laughs) So take away, like it used to be like, I got a, Yes. Evidently, I passed the bar in quite a few states. So I used to be like Lawyer Bob. More than Lawyer Bob. You were one of the most brilliant (laughs) lawyers out there. He's humble about that. Never lost a case. Never. So then, uh, so I wrote a book and I put some balloons on it. Then I'm like Balloon Bob. And then, um, but if you take away uh, law licenses and all the balloons, like what do you have left? That's actually who you are. Uh, when the last balloon is kind of flown away. And uh, and if we could just get back to that in our conversations, like who are we? And mm. a, a husband, a, a dad, um, you know, I just, the the core of what's what am I going to be remembered for? I think what are my grandparents remembered for? Mm. And that's why I have that kind of idea. I've got this thing. And so what then becomes difficult is that people will know you for everyone listening for what you're, uh, what you're good at. Um, but I don't want to just do what I'm capable of. I want to do what I'm made for. Mm. And uh, that's constantly changing if we're new creations. And so uh, to just say what's new, Bob, but capable of some things. Mm. But and, and, and there's a beautiful uh, intersection between capabilities and opportunities. And so you have a capability and there's an opportunity. And so you go like, whoa made for me. Yeah. Well, like, I don't know, it might be made for old you because a lot of us are a couple jobs behind who we've turned into. So I, I'm capable of playing the banjo. I don't think you've ever heard me play. No, I haven't. I'm actually, yeah, I, I couldn't make a day job out of it. I'm capable of it. But if you heard me play, you'd know I wasn't made for it. <laughs> <laughs> so some of us people the, here in Nashville, at the other end of the spectrum mm. are doing something that actually isn't their strong suit. Right. Yeah. You should just keep that yeah. as a beautiful hobby and yeah. a soundproof room. What um, I love the way you frame that up, and it just made me wonder if you thought about what would you hope your your kids would say about you, or grandkids, kids, grandkids would say about you when when your last balloon flies away. Oh yeah. Well, I have some. Uh, we do some stuff in India, and uh, our friends there. They introduce me, and with their accent, they say, "This is my friend Bob, and he's a liar." <laughs> you mean a lawyer? They're like, "Yes, a liar." <laughs> and I wouldn't want to be known uh, as a lawyer or a liar. But 
what I'd want to be known is a person who is engaged. It'll mm. always be those really winsome, those little picadillos that bring, those are the things that people talk about. He always ate molasses chips. And I am so okay with that. I just, I don't need to have, you know, a face etched in the side of a mountain. I don't know if it's North or South Dakota, but the bases are loaded. What I want to do <laughs> is uh, leave behind this uh, this beautiful like aroma, yeah. this kind of like, like a scratch and sniff, right? Yeah. And so when somebody scratches your life, what do they smell? Mm. And I hope they smell whatever availability smells like, whatever like... Um, hope, but what you need to get past is a hang up of feeling what do you do when you're misunderstood, right? Because that happens to me every single day. Sure. Uh, somebody, finish <laughs> that sentence if you would. What is it? What does it feel like to be misunderstood? Oh, yeah, that's where I live just constantly. Uh, a uh, faith is a big deal for me, and so sometimes people in faith communities they'll say like, you know, I think you're watering down the gospel. I'm like, actually, I hope so. <laughs> I just want to make it for people who are thirsty, yeah. like, because I. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so what I want to do is instead of having like great doctrine and lousy theology, I want awesome theology. And loving people is awesome theology. That's right. Amen. That's right. Mm. It's. I think it's the. That's what it's all about. Like if we have all this knowledge, but we're not actively going out and loving people and they're not leaving your presence knowing how special and treasured they are, like we're, we're missing it. And then know? it'll be the uh, times uh, that something is difficult. That's when the scratch and sniff happens because yeah. you just got scratched. And what do yeah. they sniff? Do they sniff a bunch of anger and resentment? Yeah. Or do they sniff a person go like, wow, that day, I'm not actually surprised when things, yeah. oh, my home burned down. <laughs> I mean, that's when you like scratch that one for a second, that would be like, wow, what a bummer. Uh, it took me 20 years to build. It took 20 minutes for it to burn down. I'm like, that'll wow. preach. But, but one of the things that what do we do when we encounter some difficulties or some mm -hmm. setbacks? And that is when the mood ring starts changing colors and to say like, so can you be the same person having experienced some setbacks as you were before? And the setbacks, they change us, but I want them to change us into a better version right. of us, not just a more wounded version right. of us. Um, you, and you, not to over-identify with those things, not to right. deny that they happened, but not to camp out there. Right. Sacred you, wounds. Yes. It's been a quality of yours as a friend and, and just watching you with what you do that's jumped mm -hmm. off the page is how you do curate safety yeah. and, and you stay true to your voice and what you believe in. In other words, I've been with you in the middle of uh, the Arab culture and you can talk about Jesus in a non-threatening way. I've seen you do it with very secular people. I've seen you do it with faith-based believers and you stick true to your message and what you know is is but you do it in a non-threatening, very invitational, very mm -hmm. safe way. Mm -hmm. And to hear you say earlier that one of the most important things that you value is just making people feel safe. Where do you think that comes from? Why is that so important to you? I think that's where people can thrive. I know when I've felt accepted, like I think you guys, no matter what I would say, I think you would ask me more questions about it if you didn't understand, if you wanted to help me understand. They wouldn't feel like manipulative questions, but you try to tease that out a little bit more. I think if you're around safe people, uh, they're not trying to game you. Their love has no agenda. Because yeah. as soon as it's got an agenda, it didn't love anymore, it's a program. 
And nobody wants to be a program. Nobody wants to be a project. And I think the people that have taught me the most about safe places are people that didn't make me feel like a project. Mm. I didn't feel broken. I felt accepted. Come on. Mm. I didn't feel like I was somebody to be like just informed. I yeah. thought they were somebody that just had all the time in the world for me. And that's among the problems for Enneagram 7s. Like we're always in a hurry. I mean, most of us make coffee nervous. We're just like, ah. <laughs> And so... <laughs> <laughs> and I found out about me, I keep putting everything in the microwave and like God keeps putting it back in the crock pot. And then like that mm. idea that it's going to take a little while to get there. Yeah. It's fascinating with people and both of you kind of have this, uh, a, a bit of a public persona profession because you speak and a lot of people uh, love what you do and follow you online. Isn't that great? I remember quitting my day job as a lawyer and we're doing some uh, things uh, to help people that have been uh, sold into uh, slavery and all that in different countries. And and so somebody did an article and it said, Bob Goff, eliminating justice wherever it exists. I'm like, wait, actually, <laughs> we need to give that a quarter of a turn. And it was the first time that I feel like you actually got that a little bit wrong. But part of being misunderstood, I think it was just a typo, yeah. but I was remember feeling so hurt and misunderstood yeah. and be like, no, no, no. It's like injustice. <laughs> That's what we're trying to eliminate. But you just can't give everybody the keys to your life yeah. because um, who you toss your keys to is going to say a lot about where you end up. And mm -hmm. and so I'm not going to give people that kind of control over my yeah. life and and they'll be misunderstood and, yeah. uh, and our, our ring might hurt our feelings and our ring will turn colors. Mm -hmm. uh, but to, if so long as we kind of know why we're doing what we're doing. You know that idea, if you want to like applause, join the circus. But if you want to actually uh, know who you're becoming, then it's going to take a little bit of time, a little bit of quiet. Ruthie, you were talking about taking a little bit of yeah. time to reflect on things. If you're a safe cracker, you got your ear up to the safe and you're spinning the dial and listening for the tumblers. And if there's all this noise, you're not going to hear the tumblers. That's and right. so I think we're constantly like the combinations changing mm -hmm. and we need to just have that time. So for me, I find that in writing. Yeah. I don't write like big pro I don't say the sun rose on eagle's wings. I just say it was morning. So <laughs> 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 like what's the simplest way to say that? Yeah. Uh, so, but so I good. I write down everything, as yeah. you know. Yeah. Like yeah. I bet yeah. I send myself 150 emails a day with wow. four or five words in it. Wow. I, I send some myself 20 on the airplane. Yeah. Just ride out here. I love just that. things that occurred to me, random. Like, yes. But it's like in netting butterflies when they come by. Yeah. <laughs> you don't net them; they're gonna keep yeah. flying. And so, what I want to do is remember that, so I can tease that out. And tomorrow, before I launch into the day. I don't have quiet times. Mine are really loud. Yeah. And I'll just take everything I thought of the day before and I'll say, does that just sound right? Or what's the truth in it yeah. for me? Oh, uh, I love that so much. For that safe crackers, that's a good yeah. uh, practice. And yes. for the people listening to find whatever habits or routines or practices mm -hmm. will help you get there. That's beautiful. Uh, one thing you said a little while ago that I love so much is, you know, people know if they are we have a agenda if we're not just like loving them or and recently a girlfriend said to me because I was like you know I see in this person like who they are meant to become and I, I'm able to see who they're becoming and it's so beautiful she's like yeah and I think that's so wonderful but I think there's something so powerful and just really loving and liking who they are right now and not 
the person that they're capable of becoming, you know, and we feel that so deeply. Like if someone likes me when I am just in the muck and don't know, like I lived in my bed for seven years and with on every narcotic under the sun and chronic pain and people loved me. so well in that time when I had nothing to offer and they weren't loving the person that I could possibly become when I got on the other side of it and got off all these drugs. They loved me right there. And that was so, that was such a testament. And I see you do that constantly. You just love people exactly as they are right now, not the them that they're capable of being down the road. But we help people become the people that they're becoming by loving them exactly as they are right this minute. And you just, I feel like you are one of the most shining, beautiful examples of that in this world. Well, I'll receive that. But I immediately think of all the times that we've like kind of miss that. And uh, like, I think if mess ups were push ups, I'd be totally ripped. Um, But what I want to do is like, just see the possibility that I could continue, Mm -hmm. that God could use me in big or small ways, Mm -hmm. but just by being available. A lot of people are, are, um, look up to you and with what you've been able to do, which, you know, we haven't even touched on and, and, and we'll help tell that story, but it's just, it's unbelievable Mm -hmm. what's happening with love does and what it's doing in all these unlovable places and countries. I've been to some of them with you, but I I know pulling off a feat like that comes with its beauty and it comes with its challenges. And, uh, I just am curious in with you leading an effort with such massive influence and in such high demand, what parts of it, um, are a struggle. Here's the uh, the thing that For came you. to mind when you said that was uh, one day coming home and Maria, who's just such a delightful oh, soul, angel. Uh, she has not raised her voice or said a crossword to me in the 35 years I've been loving her. The 32 years, two months, and seven days she's been loving me. <laughs> but but uh, she, I came home from one of these things and she said, "I just feel like you picked everybody else except me." And that is so hard to hear from the people that you uh, hold the closest to feel like you've really let people mm-hmm. down. Um, but she's like just loaded with kindness. And I think part of what allows us to love people is to be surrounded by that kind of immense love and acceptance and all that. They're not trying to actually, they can say true things to you. Uh, yet at the same time say, well, well, we're very, very different. Yeah. Um, we're trying to be one. We're not trying to be the same. And that has been a really helpful distinction for the two of us. But that's the hard part is they, uh, these things that you really desire for other people, it takes you away sometimes from the people that you love the most. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so we're just trying to figure it out. I've been flying planes for 20 years. And when I uh, come into an airport, you have to check in with a control tower, like get permission to land. And I always, you say the tail number and I say student pilot. Because <laughs> then they're nice to you. <laughs> so I like that student drivers, right? That you're nice to them. But if you could be like, you know, student husband student boyfriend if you guys are out there listening and but to realize that we're just students in this thing yeah. constantly well, and that there's a tons of grace yes. in that people are trying to, I'm not trying to cut off the guy that's the student driver but like just give him a break he's yeah. like learning so i think if we could have that mindset that we're 
each like, you know, on the low bars on this thing? I think people need to hear that. I think a lot of people look at you as like you're invincible because you're just full of positivity. And getting to know the human side of you gives so many people permission that might be scared to start a movement or take a risk. And Mm -hmm. I watched you do that beautifully in this new framework you've created called dream big and i'm an alumni of it you know I, I, i've been through a couple of your courses and then you've been kindly invited me to collaborate with you with the one we did at onsite and uh watching you encourage people not fully from a place of you can you can take on the world but here's going to be the challenges and here's why you are equipped to handle them it's mm-hmm. just such a beautiful invitation and you give so much permission and i think people are surprised that you're you've got such a deep so i've known that because we've been buddies for a long time uh, but when you when people attend these dream big programs they see a different side of bob in these intimate settings not from the stage but it's like this humanness that you bring that's vulnerable and it's really beautiful and i just wanted mm-hmm. to affirm what i've seen and i'll never forget the phone call it's originally a text message one night that said uh, that your house was on fire. Mm -hmm. And I just had this sinking feeling in my chest and helpless because I knew my buddy was in pain and had to be in fear about what was going on. I knew you were a long way from being able to try to get there. Mm -hmm. And I knew I couldn't get to you. And I was like, what, what do we do? And I just immediately tried, you know, called you and we, we talked for a minute, but how has, how has that shaped or impacted you pre and post? Yeah, the um, uh, the fire is something that uh, was uh, an opportunity for Marie and I to talk about a bunch of stuff that we hadn't had a chance to talk about. And we actually uh, headed uh, to on-site, as you know, to to work some of that stuff out. I would say for the people listening, to like fi- have some of those things in place in advance, knowing that we'll each hit setbacks, yeah. wherever it is that it's a safe place, Get one of those yeah. in place so you know where to go. The time to figure it out isn't in the middle of That's the right. of the storm. And so that was a really great time. And um, uh, the things that Maria uh, uh, uncovered in that, uh, that we'd been married all these years and I had no idea mm-hmm. that these were things that had shaped her life and all that. And I, I think for the two of us, what we recognize is we deal with loss differently um, so that it was more of a reflective time for her and uh, doing some uh, deep mining, kind of spelunking, yeah. you know, the, the people that go down the, the shafts into the caves and turn on the headlight and look around. And when you've experienced a big setback, you're down the cave, look around, yeah. I mean, figure out, you don't get there often, figure out what's down there. Uh, I dealt with it. Uh, by getting busy. That would be my like self-medicating. You know what I did? Well, literally, word on site, Maria's talking to a trusted friend there, talking about these things that this is uncovered. All that. It was literally in uh, the room next to yours, and I bought a earth-moving machine. The tires are eight feet tall. I didn't even need one, but I'm just like, that's how I dealt with this, yeah. this huge front end loader. And I was thinking like, why do I deal with it and get building permits and all that? Like I was on the phone to, the fires like weren't even out and I was already working on the things. I think that sometimes what I can do is uh, get, get really busy problem solving to avoid like the sadness and the, 
grief. And, and I think that can be okay uh, so long as you can circle back to it at yeah. some point. But if you're doing that to avoid it and then you replace it with the next thing to avoid it and the next and the next. And so having some people around you that would be true voices to say, mm-hmm. what color is the ring? That's right. Uh, there's no way I'm not, if you say, you know, everything's great, be like, <laughs> then yeah. we've got other bogeys that we're tracking. Um, but I think that, that idea of knowing, um, actually being self-aware to know those things that are the big issues in your life mm-hmm. at a particular point in time, I didn't like talking to the people in the control tower. Um, and so what I did is, uh, one time I landed the plane, I went to the control tower, I got permission and I went <laughs> up and I met all the people in the control tower and they have these screens and there might be like, uh, 200 dots on the screen for all these airplanes, but each controller is only in charge of a couple of them. Mm. And what they're trying to do is get them not to run into each other and to just get where they're going. And that just gives me so much clarity, like just track your own bogeys. You don't have to track all the bogeys, but to just say, what are your four or five dots? What are the things you need to sort out? And then to find people that will help you with that. I got a call, one of these calls that came in from a young guy. And he said, what's the one thing about relationships? I'm like, buddy, I wish there was just one thing. You're not married, right? I'm guessing you haven't dated anyone ever. So it would be like asking an astronaut, like, what's the one thing about getting to the moon? I'm like, I don't know, arrive? So so what I I told him is I want to be an astronaut. What I do is I'd find some uh, really good people to help me build the rocket ship. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wouldn't spend a lot of time figuring out what color to paint the rocket ship, but I would spend a lot of time figuring out who's going to be in the capsule with me because yes. you're going to be in it for a while. And then most importantly, I, I'd get the moon in the window and I'd keep aiming at that. Mm-hmm. And so I would say for uh, all of us, we just get the moon in the window. If faith is uh, your thing, uh, get Jesus in the window, whatever your uh, belief system is, get that in the window and Keep moving towards that. Mm. And if you have a beautiful ambition to just love people, get that in the window and then don't get distracted by all the other noise that's out there. Mm. It'll, it could distract you for a moment to say, like, remember what's in the window. Yeah. And there's something beautiful about that. And the people that I think have made the biggest difference in my life, helped me become more and more real, have been people that reminded me of what I've told them I wanted in the window. Mm. Come on. Oh, come on, Bob. That is so beautiful. I love that so much. Even the thing that you said about you would be like, this is a student. That is literally the most beautiful representation of who you are. I feel like you live in this constant student, curious learning, learning about people, learning about the things around you, asking questions like that. That whole imagery is just, that is so beautiful. I will tuck that deep, deep away and just be reminded of that, of having, like being curious, being a student and having that thing to focus on. Like I've always said it's the sun, whatever. And that the sun represents light and faith and hope. And so when I answer questions for myself, if I'm, if should I do this thing, I get really quiet and still and I'm like does this feel like it's bringing me towards the light towards the sun towards truth or not or it's stepping back towards darkness and everything I do I want it to bring me towards the light I want to the shame that I have I want to bring that out and bring it towards the light and bring it towards the sun and towards truth and towards hope and faith and that 
I just, I love that imagery. That is so, that's so beautiful. Part of the idea too, isn't to spend all of your time building consensus with everybody. Because <laughs> I think that's what can do can just wear you out, this idea of building a kingdom rather than a bunch of consensus. Like mm. I just, I just want everybody, you know, they say like, we're going to meet and get on the same page. I'm like, well, no, no, like everybody get on your own page. And what we'll do is staple these pages together and uh, and then we got something. <laughs> and well, if you want to be on a different page, then that's okay. Mm. I was excited for. I know when you guys met uh, was it a couple years ago at the at our event. Well, um, or before that. Well, I, he wouldn't know when we first met, but I actually scrolled back to when I first got Instagram and found the post where I posted about you. No, and I'm going to show me. you. Yeah, yes. come on. So this, I want to give you a little backstory. So I had been living in my bed for seven years, and a marriage of um, almost ten years had just ended, and I thought my life was over. I had a complete nervous breakdown, complete nervous breakdown, and my life imploded in every way. It was the hardest and probably best thing that ever happened to me. And within that year of weaning myself off of seven years of narcotics and learning how to live again despite being in pain, um, I got to go, this is probably four months later after I started changing my life, I got to go to a conference in Nashville that you spoke at. And my friend Matthew Jones had told me about you in that time. And I read your book. And this is what I wrote about you. And I want to show you a second. It's a picture of you touching my face. Wow. What's the date on this? This is the photo. I don't know if you can oh, see it. Oh, <laughs> look at that. Unbelievable. The date is October 12th, 2013. Wow. And it says, bucket list number 13, meet Bob Goff. This summer, my friend Matthew Perryman Jones told me about the amazing human that is Bob Goff. I picked up Love Does and was profoundly moved and changed by this book, this beautiful character and his story. I'm inspired by him to try to love people and see people the way they are and the way they were created to be and to tell them all the beautiful things I see in them. To go after my dreams, living out of a story of redemption, not being afraid of completely being myself, even if it's goofy or seems childish. These are just a few of the things I've learned from this incredible, whimsical man. We need to stop plotting the course and instead just land the plane on our plans to make a difference by getting to the do part of faith. Bob Goff. Love does. So thankful my sweet Where is Shoni caught this special moment for me, fulfilling bucket list numero tres. Oh, that's great. (laughs) Boy, isn't that crazy how our lives, there are these snapshots and they're just so... Meaningful. So if you could just say, like, what have been the snapshots? Anything that'll help us, like, say, and maybe measure time. And when you said 2013, I was like, wow, who was Bob back in 2013? And no doubt there's some similarities. Yeah. Um, but, but to just say, like, I wonder who I'll be once I'm a grandpa. And it'll probably be just another iteration 
of a me, but it'll probably be a more available me. Mm-hmm. And if it's a less available me, you know who I'll probably get two phone calls from? <laughs> you too. Yep. To say yeah. like, so I, and that's great. But it, what I heard was the moon in the window for you were all these grandkids and availability. And so mm-hmm. um, how's that going without yeah. judgment? Yeah, yeah. I was going to say that's a exactly. different, you're the first yeah. one to call me too. It's a different kind of phone call. It's not yeah. calling to add shame to anybody's right. story yeah it's just right. to love somebody yeah not holding people accountable but holding people close oh. and i think if we could oh, just say that, tattoo just that on my body. <laughs> yeah so, so just let me hold you close with that that's yes. a completely different conversation you're uh, not waving a bony finger that's right at someone you're just saying man i'm a student at this thing that's too right. the times that you've had i i hadn't spoken to my sister uh in 32 years two months and seven days uh, I still have not spoken to my sister. Uh, I know she came to my wedding. And um, one of the things that you said a couple of years ago is, you think it'd be time to write to your sister? <laughs> I'm like, well, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but you just said it in such a really loving way. And mm-hmm. so there doesn't need to be that big, triumphant ending to the whole thing. Mm-hmm. They're just But the, the obedience of having a friend uh, say, what are you thinking about that? And yeah. like, you know, it's just saying, what color's your ring mm. on that? And to try things because voices that you trust say that would be worth trying. Mm. Mm. So I, I hope we can all be that, yes. and the people listening can be that. That uh, to your or that idea of unspoken, like mm-hmm. sometimes what we're afraid to do is to say the wrong thing. I'd fail trying. That's Don't right. fail watching. Fail mm. trying. That's mm. right. To say. Um, so you're picking a lock. You're just mm-hmm. saying, is this something you create safe places? And if we can, we each have control over that. We can create a really safe place for people can just say their stuff. And if they don't want to, create a safe place where they don't need yeah. to. They can just be heard. Yeah, they just, can just be held. Well, I, I was excited for you guys to get together at some point and spend even more time together because you're two of my favorite people. And I knew if I ever got you two together, it would be the endless train of story and thought <laughs> because both of you have another story before you finish the first one on your mind. And I love that about you. Um, but I just a couple more things and and, and we'll try to land it. But uh, I want to affirm something that I've learned from you. But first, I wanted to ask you one thing about your work. And there are so many beautiful things that, the, that you've been a part of and your team's been a part of. But the one where you, you rescued, and can we say his name now? I know you called him Charlie for a long yeah, time. he's still Charlie. Okay, we'll call him Charlie. I, I couldn't remember. But uh, he, uh, you know, this young boy that was um, unfortunately mutilated, um, cut off his privates, and then by one of the most evil witch doctors uh, on the planet. And um, the and I'll, I'll jump to it because a lot of people have heard this story, but Bob had a big part in flying over there and getting this boy rescued, uh, pulled him out, and actually oversaw him coming back to the States to have surgery to get his parts reattached. And just uh, it's one of the most beautiful stories you'll ever hear. I've never heard it without tears, and I've heard it a hundred times. But maybe the most beautiful thing about that is the relationship you now have with Kabi, who I've read some of the letters you guys have shared with each other. And I just wondered if you'd say, I was going to ask you earlier, what's the most heartbreaking thing you see in all that you've experienced? Uh, and I, if you want to answer that, that's great. But I would, I would want to say, um, what is it about this relationship you have with Kabi and what's it taught you and what can it teach us? Yeah, well, uh, this idea, uh, some people think of it as like a Sunday school conversation to like love your enemies. 
Um, but what if you take some of the people who creep you out and just think of the people that are actually very difficult to be? It could be an in-law, it could be a neighbor across the street, um, could be somebody that you're seeing on the television, but whoever it is, but to engage that, I'm not saying not have opinions about that, but to go beyond that to say, is there a way that I could grow by engaging that? And so uh, we began after I tried the case and put him on death row, which is actually a pretty harsh deal. Um, we developed a friendship. Mm. Um, and for uh, each trip to Uganda, I would go and visit Kabi. Uh, and there's something beautiful that happens. Like I felt like we switched roles and mm. he became my teacher mm. um, because. Wow. Uh, the things that he was learning about his faith and his circumstance, then he doesn't believe he's the guy he used to be. And I think if we could flip that a little bit and to just say, I want to take some of the people that have been very difficult and say, what can, is there something I can learn? How can I be shaped by that? And that was the, uh, the beginning of starting this witch doctor school. We literally have uh, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of graduates. Teaching witch doctors <laughs> how to read. And it's just, it is... I mean, it was one of the creepiest, most beautiful things I've ever been a part of because wow. you're around these amazing, and the, the creepiness went away within five minutes when you looked into the eyes of these beautiful humans. And we get robes and gowns and we played pomp and circumstance on kazoos. And they, I mean, it was uh, one of those I'll never forget. Moment. They, there's something about that to find the people that you've been far away from or that you've, uh, the, you know, the things we're starting now, we're in Afghanistan. Mm. Uh, the last Dream Big that we did was uh, we got 130 Afghan leaders together in Kabul. <laughs> <laughs> what could possibly go wrong? <laughs> we invited them. They came and I'm like, dang, like wow. that wow. is, wow. you know, some of their ambitions would not be uh, some of mine. And so there's something beautiful about oh. just being together with the people that you've been, because I realized that about myself that I like, I've spent my whole life avoiding the people Jesus spent his whole life engaging. Come on. And I think the thing that I need to do is I need to just change. It won't be just more information. It will be more like, you know, why are you feeling what you're feeling? Yeah. And let me tell you how I'm feeling about this. And I'm like, yeah. I'm at a loss. And so you don't have to have an explanation, especially if you think you're a student pilot. You say yeah. like, I don't know, man, I'm just trying to figure that out. And that's what you guys are so good at, just create places where people can be student pilots. Mm -hmm. They can say, uh, I'm learning about this stuff and I'm willing to take it around the block knowing this is a safe place yeah. and safe people to do it with. And that's the beauty that comes out of like, you know, the on-site experience, the other things. It's just safe people. Yeah. And then hopefully then we take that back to the people that we love the most, yeah. uh, but that we don't just stay with the people that we love the most because that's kind of low-hanging fruit sometimes, mm -hmm. but you say the most difficult people. And I don't think God's wild when you go across an ocean. I think he's dazzled when you go across the street. That's right. <laughs> wow. To like, who are the people that are right there in your community? Yes. You know, there's a guy who's like uh, the head of this big, restaurant chain all across the US. He takes out our garbage on Mondays. Mm. Like, he just does it. Not just us, all the neighbors. Wow. I, I've seen what that means. He, he could be flying around in a Gulf Stream, but what he does, he does that because he loves his neighbors, like mm. right where he is. And I just, I want to be shaped. I see stuff like that. I take yeah. some notes. I'm like, love your neighbor. That's beautiful. Yeah. So for all the people listening, you just, that's a beautiful thing that's so accessible about loving people. There's people in front of you that are really easy. There's some people that have 
uh, entered our lives that are very difficult and um, and so to say well, how could I learn I want right. to I want to grow a little bit that's right I think that's the most beautiful thing that I've been taught and that I fail at constantly but I try to practice when someone when I interact with someone that it brings up stuff in me and or I will pass judgment on them I try to get curious and like what is the story about myself that's happening here like what am I telling about myself that I'm what am I making up right now to why I feel like I might not like this person or they might not be whatever and whatever. And usually if I actually get quiet and try and I get really curious, it's always about me. It's my stuff. And this person is just a beautiful human. And when I think like that, I, the judgment settles and I see them as a human that is divine. And I, when I start loving myself and questioning those things, I'm way more tender and loving to the people that I've been very judgmental and pointing fingers at and all of those things. Cause it's, it's bringing up my own stuff, you know? And so that curiosity is just, that's so beautiful. And I love how you've just entered in with the things like the, the world's like this person's evil, bad, whatever, you know, and you, you've treated them like the, beautiful human that they are yeah bingo i uh, i usually get my first call at like five in the morning and it's always some like dude in atlanta on his way to work because it's eight in the morning there but it's five in san diego got my last call at midnight it was from two witch doctors from the witch doctor school and they said a little boy's been abducted and they've taken him into the bush for a child sacrifice, but we know where he is, should we go get the kid? And I'm like standing on my bed in my boxers. I'm yelling into the phone like, get the kid! And four hours later, I get a text message from these two bad guys in witch doctor school, and it said this, we've rescued the child, he's with his mother, and the last two words of the text message, love does. And that whole idea to just see people not as they, I, they've rescued more kids than yeah. I have, yeah. but they actually want to go do something about what they're learning rather that's than, right. and they're not doing it for credit. They're doing it because it's an expression of some stuff that's going on in their lives. They're not doing it so they could put a, send a picture out about it. Mm. They're just doing it. I just want to be that guy. Like just no return address. But in order to get there, we need to actually check some of the return address on the stuff we get. Do you guys get a lot of junk mail? Oh, yeah. I get it by the foot. Yeah. What I do is I like look at the return address. And some of the things that I've been telling myself in the past, I've just been reading the junk mail. That's right. And I just go like, we just don't need to even open it up anymore. And if you have been reading some of the junk mail, and that's some of the stuff that find somebody who's safe, find mm-hmm. a, a place to go, some people to surround yourself mm-hmm. with. And then just kind of reset. Yeah. And you guys are that for me. So thank you for making me feel and I have a safe place in the land. And I feel no. no. Yeah. And my uh, my ring is constantly changing colors. And What's your color beautiful. right now? Yeah, I think it would just be kind of like rosy. I'm not like a mm. pink guy. But it would be like... <laughs> <laughs> just not the, the uh, but it would be that idea and we ought to be like constantly not wrapped around the axle with mm. uh like uh f- figuring out how you're constantly feeling but just being self-aware enough to yeah. know i'm feeling engaged i'm feeling not engaged i'm feeling lonely i feel isolated yeah. i'm feeling like people doubt i'm feeling whatever it is that you're feeling to be in touch with that and you might even kind of keep track of that draw yourself a couple notes something that you remember something that somebody yeah. said 
And then go find the truth of that. Uh, you know, go to whatever you can solve. Faith's a big deal. You can go to scripture. Yeah. If it's something else, go to whatever you think is the most true resource and then go check yeah. what you think against that. Yeah. So what does Rosie mean? Rosie, I would say that just sort of like feeling content. Like, yeah. you know, when you have a good conversation with some friends. Yeah. Yeah. That idea of being known. And then the hope, because I'm a seven, that something one of you said landed with somebody. Mm-hmm. Like that there's somebody that's listening yeah. and they're stuck in traffic and they're just like thinking like, wow, you know what? There's that resonating with me. Like I can't even imagine seven <sighs> years in bed to go like when we see each other's pain and then stay while they may not know you well they'd say like wow that's a courageous woman mm. like it makes the idea of change as possible they could say yeah. i'm not maybe not be on a bed i'm just stuck in a job for seven yeah. years that's and right. my word to you if you're listening to that and that job isn't for you quit yeah. <laughs> yeah. like literally just yeah. uh, just i i uh, was raised under this lie that golfs aren't quitters we're quitters. <laughs> we <laughs> get to quit every, every day. You Go do, to sleep. Just quit. Rest. Yes. Yeah. Some people want That's to have right. a Bible study about everything. Don't oh, just quit. quit. Stop. Yes. Like whatever it is that's yeah. screwing you up. That's just right. stop it. Uh. That's that's one of the things. And we'll, in, 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 and I, there's so much that you're doing. I want people to get to know Love Does. And obviously, I'm sure everybody knows about your your books, but I hope you'll check out Dream Big. That mm-hmm. framework has helped me declutter a lot yeah. of life so that I could just laser focus in and move towards where I know uh, I'm divinely called to be. So I it's such that. a cool thing. And and I think we're going to do some more together. Hopefully yeah, we are. On Come on. That was- Jim, one of the guys that was uh, with us at uh, the Dream Big, he was a pediatric brain surgeon. I mean, like, talk about an intense job. He didn't like it. Yeah. You know what he did right after? He quit. Wow. <laughs> wow. He moved to Maui. Wow. So I just, I just saw him. He's like, it's awesome. <laughs> wow. Just quit his game. Isn't wow. that great? Oh, I love that. Uh, well, I want to uh, take, a, take a stab at uh, answering a question that I asked you earlier as a way to kind of bookend this thing. And I said, what do you hope that you're – grandkids or kids say about you when your last balloon flies and I can tell you what I would say about you and I hope I don't get to see that day because uh, I hope you outlive me I don't like losing friends but I know if I do I hope I'm around the bed because I'm one of your eight and you're one of my eight um, but I would say that you are a you are a man who has grounded me in my faith regrounded me in my faith not by what you preach but by how you live you saw potential beyond my wildest limitations in who I am and who I'm becoming. You've been a friend of a friend. Um, you love incredibly well. That's no secret, but I've seen it in action, not for strangers, but for people who hold you the dearest. I've never been with you when you didn't honor, lift up, and love your family. You've taught me how to be a better dad and a better husband. At the end of the day, your legacy and your love and your life is something I'm so incredibly proud to been a small part of. I love what you did, but I am dang proud of who you are. Oh, Miles, thank you. Wouldn't that be beautiful as you're listening? Shouldn't we just pull somebody that you love aside and yeah. just have that conversation? Like, say those things. Like, yeah. have those things. And we would just feel like we would just know we weren't, like, guessing. And we don't have to guess in our friendship, but just it's what some of us 
uh, have difficulty doing is finding those words, man, just search for them. Don't try to land it. It ain't the Olympics. <laughs> it's just Monday. Um, just like try to land those. So thank you so much. Make up fake love, make them all laugh. Someone, someone, take off your mask. It's nice to me. Thank y'all so much for being with us today. We know your time is valuable, so it truly means the world to us that you would spend your time and energy with us. And thank you for being willing and open to walk right into the tension of saying the unsaid. The music from our podcast is from one of my favorite bands, Oliver Riot, and this song is called Alcatraz from their EP, Hallucinate. I cannot speak highly enough about these musicians and friends. Check out their beautiful music on Spotify and online. And a huge thank you to Chad Michael Snavely and the team at CM Studio who edit and mix the show. If you want to learn more about the Unspoken Podcast, please go to theunspokenpodcast.com for show notes and more information about the guest. And feel free to follow us on Instagram as well at the Unspoken Podcast. Make sure you hit subscribe to keep getting more inspiring conversations with incredible people delivered straight to you. And for those of you who are regular listeners to the podcast, please consider supporting the show by leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts. We can't wait to share with you all of the upcoming conversations with some really special people. And we hope these fill you with the hope that we might all find connection, healing, courage, and the strength to leave no important words unspoken.